0: So you're mono recording. We're good now. We're mono, <laughs> a mono, but not at all.
1: That's true. We're not doubled. We're not tripled. We don't have extras. We're good.
0: <laughs> good. All right. Well, um, hey, folks, we're back um, for our second episode of season two of Is There Gay Stuff In It? I'm back with my trusty sidekick. I like that term, trusty sidekick. F- for That's you. That's a good one. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I'm trusty and I'm
1: small. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs>
0: If we had a little motorcycle with a sidecar, I could just be the main driver and you could just be toodling around over on the side.
1: I'd love that. If you were going to
0: Clexicon, if you're going to make it to Clexicon, we should just roll up in that thing. Oh,
1: God, I wish. I wanted to go so bad, but I just can't. I can't justify going to Las Vegas and then London in the same year. I tried, I tried to justify it because they have that workshop thing now at Glaxicon where they're going to do where you can like meet people like representatives of different media companies and I was going to take my schoolwork and stuff with me, try to look for jobs. So I was hoping that I could do that, but I can't justify doing that. So instead, I'm going to SETC down here to try to do some kind of marketing of myself to people to get a job.
0: Yeah, Stacey and I were discussing with our other couple of friends that are going to Clexicon the other night uh, who were over and about a way to get you there. And I was like, I think it's just going to be too much to try to get I
1: there. I want her. I I want to go. I just, I don't have the money or means to get myself there. Like, that's the problem. I just don't have the means to do it. And this job I'm working pays maybe $200 a week on a good week. So
0: it's not great, <laughs> Maybe uh, at some point we'll we'll maybe be able to make some advertising on this podcast. That would be great, <laughs> and then we could put some some little pennies in your pocket for that. But uh, <laughs> I guess we should should uh, inform people who we are and what's going on. This is uh, I'm Connie, and this is Beck, and we are the uh, regular hosts of "Is There Gay Stuff in It?" podcast. And as I said earlier, we're coming back for our second episode of our second season. I enjoyed the first episode a lot with us like um, kind of getting. A little off the path, and as we tend to do,
1: we do. But a lot of great queer content comes out of that, just as in any show that you would be watching. When you get off the path, that's directly what they're showing you. You find some great gay subtext, and that's what we're here to discuss.
0: Right, and I, I kind of want this podcast to be a little bit more just like life. Like I'm not to- Like my whole being isn't in existence. Existence isn't about being gay. Mm-hmm. Um. So. That's kind of what we, I think, both decided we wanted to do this season with the podcast. And I wanted to, um, I've kind of, I kind of dominated the last episode, so I thought this week you had mentioned to me something that you were really wanting to talk about, which was uh, the gaming that you have gotten into recently and the queer characters. Now, I'm going to give you a a notice that people who've been listening since the beginning know, I don't game. I mean, I've got game. But I don't game. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have a, a son who is an, a, a loves to game and always did when he was little. But you know I had to participate in that with him. But I'm 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 not good at it. I don't like to do things that I'm not good at. Um, that's probably a character flaw, but <laughs> makes me feel better. Uh, so I, you're going to be teaching me a little bit about what's going on. But there's something going on with gaming that you're pretty excited about. Well yeah, uh
1: since I was a kid, I always loved playing video games just like in the basic normal way. I had an Atari and then a PlayStation 1, then a PlayStation 2, and a Game Boy, a Game Boy SP, a Game Boy Advance. I went through all of them. And then I never got really into Xbox until I was getting into high school. And then I got a 360, played that a little bit. I love zombie first-person shooter games and role-play games, like they're just a lot of fun cuz you get to do different types of stories. And recently, in the past couple of years, uh, I got a Xbox One. And I got the game Fallout 4. Which I had Fallout New Vegas that everybody loved. I wasn't into it. But Fallout 4, I'm super into. And I started playing it for the first time about five or six months ago. And I did a whole playthrough, finished the whole game in about, about a week or two. And I loved it because... It lets you make your own choices as to what person you're going to be in this, like, nuclear fallout world. And it, your main character can be a male or a female. I was a guy for the first time. I named him Jimbo. He was great.
0: Is is there a particular reason for Jimbo? Do you know a Jimbo? Me and
1: Tiffany were just sitting talking, and we decided Jimbo was a good name. And she was playing New Vegas, and she decided to her- name hers Earl. So, you know, we were just, like, going for a thing.
0: Well, I think you found it.
1: Yeah. So, but with Jimbo, I explored uh, just the basic playing of the game. And, like, you get to make friendships with people. And you get companions. And then you get perks which give you different powers in the game and help you level up things. So, at first, it was just, like, a normal basic game. Just like every game, there's never really anything particularly, like, especially queer that you can do. You don't have, like, make-it-gay options. That's not what video games do. Until I decided I was going to take it upon myself to make it as queer as
0: possible. Okay, so did you have to like subvert the t- the, t- the technology or the software to do this? Or no? Sorry, are you like are you like uh, engineering this up, or is it actually that the games have come around to where they make it that you can just do this?
1: The games have come around to where they make it where you can just do this. I didn't think it was a thing that I could do, but I did. I first did it with Jimbo. I uh, found a guy that um, I I had traveled with for a while, and he told me his life story. And then they gave me the option, because I'd leveled up enough, to flirt with him. So I got to flirt with him. And then Uh from that point, I was like, how much further can this go? It can go to the point where you can establish that you have a relationship and that you love each other. And then you get a perk called lover's embrace if you ever fall asleep near them. And it levels you up and gives you more health.
0: So am I right in saying that this is kind of some of the stuff that people do with Sims? A little bit, yeah. Okay. A little bit. Now I should like video games because <laughs> I love like an immersive experience. I like getting into a TV show where you are like in a like a enclosed place with people and you have to get along and you have to figure things out and... um. That's one of my favorite genres of movies or TV shows where people are put in a situation where they usually get down to their base horrible people that they are. Um, True. So I should like video games. And I see the commercials and they look amazing. And I'm always <laughs> like, man, this looks so good. This looks like a movie. I want to play this. Uh, Tanner got uh, Battlefield on his yeah. Xbox that he got for Christmas. And he hasn't played it yet because he's in Red Dead Redemption, too. Everybody is. I should play that you should um if you get on we'll have to hook the two of you up on, on gamer <laughs> names and stuff because we just peeked into his room when he, he got right after christmas and mm-hmm. stacy called me in there she's like come look at this you know it was like the the stupidest thing ever like come look at this game you know <laughs> and uh and i went and checked it i was like this looks amazing and he he has told me just that it's like the most again i'll say immersive experience he's been in and it's you can choose to do different things where mm-hmm. you really play the game without any help and you're just on these adventures and they take forever. Mm-hmm. And I was glad about that because when he was a kid, I would get really mad because he we'd get him these games and at that time, like an expensive game was like 40 or $50. I know mm-hmm. there are more now. But he would three days later be like, oh, I beat that game. And then you'd be done with it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. what good is it now? But he was telling me that with this, you can go on these really long adventures or you can adjust and and just go in and play a game where you have all the cheat codes and all the answers and you just go kill people you know for Mm -hmm. the the glee of it or whatever so I guess gaming has changed so much that I wish I was into it and I'm not it's kind of like with comics you know I feel like comics are such a big vast world that I couldn't get into it but then when you you know you told me about this it kind of perked up a little bit because that I do like the idea of creating your own character and the way you're doing it now sounds something like I'd really be into well
1: I did it even, I went even further. So I quit my game as Jimbo, I completed out as many tasks as I could like, and I did all of the side quests. I ended up working under that like save game for about a month. Like just like playing through, finding different things. I created my first female character in the game. I don't know what is it about me, but like I don't like playing female characters in games because they usually make them weak. Like Mm. that's just how it is. They over glorify them, and they make them look too, like, otherworldly, like, hot,
0: and make them weaker. Okay, so are you saying, in making them weaker, like, I know that there's, like, you know, when you're building your character, there are certain weapons and certain aspects of characters that make them stronger. Do they supply the women with less uh, strength from the get go is what you're saying. Like, you don't, you can't even like build your female character up to the level up with the male characters, you're automatically at a disadvantage.
1: In the past, they did, yes. Up hmm. until the more recent games that I've been playing, yes. There are options that are like supreme kill things that you can't do as a female game character, and that just drove me nuts. Plus, I always have loved facial hair and wanted my own, so in a game, <laughs> you can create whatever facial hair you want, and it's great. So that's why I always played as a male.
0: Yeah, there aren't many things that I have envy of of men. Facial hair, like being able to fiddle around and tinker with that Mm -hmm. is one of them. Like if you want to have a mustache like Burt Reynolds, you Mm -hmm. can do that. If you want to have a big, long, you know, grizzly man beard, you can. If you want to bring it in and do mutton chops, you can. You know, like they have all (laughs) that stuff they can do. It seems like a silly thing to be envious of, but it seems like it's fun to tinker around with too. But also, then I think about like, leg shaving and how horrible that is and how much I hated it and why I quit doing it. And so I'm thinking, like, guys, they either have to have a beard or they have to shave that shit every day. And I would not want a daily commitment to it.
1: I personally, when I was younger, I used to uh, hear the stories of you could get a beard by shaving your face. So I, as a kid, (laughs) used to shave my face. Because I wanted a beard that bad, and I didn't mind the fact that I would have to shave. It didn't bother me, and I don't shave, like, I'm not a person that likes to shave their legs, ever. I don't do that. Wait, are you meaning
0: you, when you were a kid, you used a real razor to shave? Yes. See, I didn't do that. I, like, stole my mom's, like, credit cards, and (laughs) would, like, because I I, did that, too. I like to watch my dad like pat the shaving cream Mm -hmm. on and then like, you know, contort his face in those weird ways that Mm -hmm. men do when they shave. I would just be, and plus I loved the smell of like Old Spice and that kind of stuff. So when he was doing that, I was like, you know, in awe of it, and I would, like, smear a little on there and, like, get something out of my mom's purse that, you know, I'd see credit cards and yep. driver's licenses, stuff like that, so I'd grab one of those things and do that squeegee-type shave, yep. <laughs> but I didn't pull the razor out. No, when
1: I, was, when I was really young, they used to get me those fake shaving kits that were, like, Spider-Man-themed and stuff, because I loved the blue foam, and mm-hmm. I would, like, play with that, but once I became, like, I think I was, like, six or seven, I found one of my dad's, like, razors, and I just, like put on the shaving cream and started shaving my face and i did it for a couple years oh my like gosh. and my parents didn't know and i just did it because i liked it
0: <laughs> they're like uh becca smells like
1: shaving cream but we don't know why exactly it was perfect once they started like ma- having me shave my own legs and got me like the female shaving cream because i could use that and they wouldn't even know it was it was uh-huh. a whole thing that I went through this whole phase of it and like to this day I could probably shave my face like any other guy does <laughs> just because I liked the feeling of it. So I never had a problem with the thought of I'm going to have to shave if I have a beard. I just always envied them.
0: Did you ever pull the thing where you shaved your legs like when you were younger with your dad's razor and then he yelled and screamed and complained because he cut his whole face up after you did that? No. I never understood, I think that's happened to, I know that that's happened to people, I've heard yeah, about it. Yeah, like, I have too. I mean, but... what is it about shaving the female leg that suddenly renders that, that razor, like, useless for a man's face? I don't understand.
1: I don't get it either. I think it's the difference in oils, because there's like, there's different oils on your face. Like, when... yeah. So, like, when he's shaving, like, a certain type of oil is activated with the razor, and it makes it, like, a clean shave, whereas your legs, they sweat, they get more gunk in them, like, they have different oils and different potencies or whatever, and it might just, like, break down the razor to where when he tries to shave on his face, he has to, like, use it like a freaking, like, hoe, just scraping in there, and then he scrapes (laughs) off part of his face.
0: Did you ever, when you were real shaving your face as a seven-year-old, <laughs> did you ever cut your face or your neck? Or... There because was... I would have, I would pay money to see little you toddle out of the bathroom with little toilet paper pieces <laughs> stuck on your cuts.
1: There were, I think there's, there was two times that I remember hurting myself pretty bad with a razor. One was when I cut the uh, Cupid's bow up above my lip. I shaved off the curve of it. Oh. Uh-huh. And then another time, I have a scar under the right side of my, uh, like my right side of my lip. Um, on the bottom and it's difficult because it just sticks out a little bit and i never thought that i would touch it and i did once and like cut the star off Ooh, mm. that hurt real bad but that was about it like the rest of my face i never really nicked my neck i never like mm. hurt any other part of me but it was just just around my lips i had a lot of issues and it was only twice though so like i was born to shave faces i know what i'm doing <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, should you have the unfortunate occurrence later in life, when you are closer <laughs> to my age, when you start to get the like, you know, unsightly little yeah. things that pop up? Oh no, to... I already get some. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll be prepared to to do the shave. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I I don't know if I would ever do the shave. I would just do the pluck. I think, but. Who knows? Uh, I mean, I guess, I guess people wax, but I've never waxed anything, nor do I want to.
1: I had a friend that, uh, my roommate actually, she wanted me to wax my mustache with her. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. So I let her do it, and it got so badly irritated and infected, my whole upper lip was like bright red and splotchy for days, and I was like, I hate you. <laughs> I was fine with my razors. I was <laughs> fine, but now it's not okay. So it, it just, you know, you live and you learn. You, I don't use wax for
0: anything. No, no, no. I, I knew that I would see my mother doing that and, and seeing the intense pain on her face. And uh, I, my mom was a super um, feminine, girly girl, mm-hmm. woman, like, I can't even say girly girl because of the time that she was in. She was a woman. She was a mm-hmm. lady. And, um, you know, everything put together well, very fashionable uh, fashionable very beautiful always on point i am none of those things <laughs> but mm-hmm. i mean that's like a you know it's like an uh like that feminine ideal thing mm-hmm. I, I sometimes often wonder if like i mean i still don't we're getting so far off topic from video games
1: it's but... okay we can get back to it i'll pull it back in somehow i got this
0: You know, when you think about the nature versus the nurture, which I am, I'm a big nurture. I fall on the nurture side of that. Mm -hmm. And then people want to, you know, talk about, well, why is, you know, why do you think people are gay or queer or whatever? And it's like, you know, all the studies are done on on people's brains and, and chemistries and all that stuff. And then I sometimes wonder how much the nurture falls into it. Like, I find that a lot of the you know, who identifies, like, lesbian or bisexual women that I know, or even pansexual these days, have very strong female, feminine mothers. Um, In some instances, like, you know, like that in-charge type woman who Mm -hmm. also then fits, like, is is in-charge so there's a masculinity to to them because they don't take any shit, not afraid to throw a punch, but also know how to, like, be that perfect etiquette put-together lady. I wonder, mm-hmm. like, what what role that played with me? You know,
1: I get that. I think about that stuff a lot too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't have any answers for you on it. I just wonder I if mean, you have any. Thoughts
1: no, I've on... I've thought about it. I uh, I think that I think about it more with like with my grandma because she is so, you know, she's she's from a completely different time than I am, and she feels about certain things like like if I have to say that instead of like if I say I have to go pee, she gets so mad. Because yeah. she's like, you do not say that. You don't say that in public. You don't say that out loud. And I'm like, but I, I'm just telling you where I'm going. Like, I have to... And She's like, that's not okay to say. She gets upset about it. She'll get upset about the fact that I don't lotion my hands. Because they're not super yeah. soft. Yeah. She doesn't like the fact that I don't ever grow my nails out. I bite my nails off and that's just who I am as a person. I mm-hmm. can't change it. But mm-hmm. she hates that I do that. Like, it's just little things like that that I catch on that it's not okay for her in her mind and they're all very like feminine qualities and things like that and it it kind of it's strange to me because a lot of them my mom is not like that my mom doesn't care what i do really Mm -hmm. like she she's the type of person that needs to go get her nails done every two weeks she always has acrylic nails like that's her thing she Mm -hmm. always needs to have some kind of makeup on that's Mm -hmm. just who she is but I'm not like either one of them in that, and I think that that bothers them. It really bothered them when I stopped shaving my legs. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, I heard from my family for weeks. Like, even like my dad would like chime in on the conversation of how gross that is. And I'm like, well, shave your legs. Yeah. Like, go it's for it. If you it want it. Difference. Yeah. <laughs> but no, so I, I, it's something that I've thought about for a long time because my family isn't super feminine or super masculine but they are very etiquette manners forward but they don't follow their own rules so mm. i don't know what that means for me as a person because mm. now i feel like i'm setting my own rules and my own limitations and i'm trying to figure out what kind of person that makes me in comparison to the kind of people that they are so it's it's a weird thing that humans have to do
0: it is weird and i i find myself i i'm very much my mother's daughter in every other aspect of how she was very much like I said about handling business she ended up in midlife having to uh, my father was in the coal mining industry Mm -hmm. and in the late 80s that kind of they were shuffling out those older men who had been and doing it their whole life and bringing in young people with degrees and all that (laughs) stuff and Mm -hmm. so my mom just took it upon herself to uh, take like what she had done as a home sewing hobby business and and in the middle of her life just say, I'm going to open a store. I'm going to open a business and do that, and kind of. Then she, you know, shifted and became the breadwinner of the family. And I feel like that that had an influence on me too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just in things like around the house, I just thought of this yesterday. Like when Stacy, Stacy is the queen of the kitchen in our house. She cooks, <laughs> she bakes. She's an amazing baker. Um, she enjoys doing it. I do not enjoy those things. Me too. But, <laughs> but I will always like go in and do the cleanup. And I was thinking about it, and that's something that I did after every dinner with my mom. My mom did not like to leave dishes after she cooked, and that was kind of a thing, is she would have me come in there, and she would wash dishes, and I would dry them. We didn't have a dishwasher. It was the Mm 70s and early 80s. So she would wash the dishes, and I would do the drying and put them away, and I wonder if that's something that then when I got my own household that I didn't just carry over, from her. And even though I don't, you know, there's no one else that comes in there and helps me with it or whatever. It's like, like when I cook a meal, I wash my dishes as I go as she did. And I never even like consciously thought about that. It's just like Mm -hmm. auto programmed kind of thing. So I wonder about like carrying over all of that kind of stuff from, from your parents.
1: But I think we all do that. I think that what you're thinking of, we all do that. I mean, I, my parents were the type of family that they never cooked anything from scratch. Everything was from a box or from the freezer and so when i moved in with tiff it i didn't know how some things were made from scratch like i didn't know where soup came from and she made (laughs) fun of me because she was like did you think it came from like you know like an oil slick like you know how oil shoots out of the ground you think soup does that if you dig deep enough and i was like maybe (laughs) i don't know i had no clue i just always knew it came from a can
0: There's a soup field out there where they're just capturing it in cans. I
1: didn't know. I had no idea how it worked because she was making chicken broth one day and I was like, you can make chicken broth? She's like, how do you think you get it? And I was like, in a can. (laughs) Like, it made sense to me because that's how I grew up knowing. And there's been a lot of things like that that she'll say something and I'm like, wait, that doesn't just come like that? What do you mean? (laughs) Because I never learned that difference. And so when I go to the store and like I grocery shop, I get a bunch of stuff from the freezer section and like... That's what I eat and cook because that's what I grew up knowing, and I don't know how to do things any different.
0: And I didn't. My mother cooked every meal, and mm-hmm. my father worked swing shifts—first, uh, second, third shifts in the coal mine. Yeah. And um, whenever he was on third shift or on second shift, that means that my mom and I were home from when he left at about two p.m. until he would get home around midnight or so. Mm-hmm. So th- those that month was me and mom for dinner. You know, because my dad dad wanted the same things every time. Potatoes, meat, gravy, you know, that stuff. But mom would experiment around whenever it was the two of us and make different things. Like we, you know, the stuff that we liked and that he would, you know, begrudgingly eat. But she knew he didn't like it and she was very much like into pleasing him. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there'd be a whole month of potatoes and meat. <laughs> than yeah. When he was home. <laughs> that makes
1: sense. I mean, my dad, he was de- deployed a lot when I was younger. Uh, he was in the Navy f- until I was about 15 years old. And he I was did deployed. Not know that. Oh, yeah. He uh, he retired after 20 years. You know, now he's a postmaster. So he's getting double government money still. But it's they good.
0: Double dip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. double dip. Exactly. Magic money. I love that. Yeah. That's what my
1: great dr- grandfather did. So he's following in that footstep of what he did. But um, now he was deployed uh, for pretty much. It would be over half a year, like, every year until I was 15. So for all of that time, it was just me and my mom. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of us interacting and us doing things together. And so it kind of made a weird dynamic. But there were certain things that we would do that whenever Dad would get home, she knew that Dad wouldn't like that, so we couldn't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And it was a weird kind of, like, learning what was okay and what wasn't. And, like, it was also weird when my dad got home because i was so used to listening to just my mom having that one parent yep and then he would come home and try to like enforce these other things and i'm like wait what do i listen to what
0: do i do i don't i don't understand well with my dad it was almost like because he was gone uh, out of my daily existence mm-hmm. for months at a time that i would i guess because i wasn't around him that then when he came he was around and came back his word was law because I didn't want to disappoint him and I didn't want there to be arguments or bad times or upset or anything when he was home. Now my father has this look that I've been told I must have inherited (laughs) from Tanner where it's the head tilts a quarter to the side, the eyes cut another quarter over and you don't make a noise. And it's like, (laughs) it's, it's the serious, like, I'm mad about something or you better do what I say or don't say anything. <laughs> look. So I, my dad uh, kind of developed that and I knew kind of how to, how to hop into line. But, um, we should swing this back around because I know okay. you really wanted to talk about that. Can... I just, I just, uh, that's just something that I, I wonder about. It's like, you know, I love my, my mom dearly. Mm-hmm. She died when I was 31. Um, and I think about like where we would be at today had she been around for this 18 years. Um, and so, when I notice little things like that, I tend to dwell on them. So, I don't know. It I just get that. Up I get
1: that a lot. Yeah. I I mean, I think about those type of things, too. And I still have both my parents and my grandma. So, uh, but I still right. think about all that stuff. But right. to bring it back around, yeah. we're going back to the fact of I created a female this time. Yeah. And I told Tiffany to name her. She named her Bort.
0: B-O-R-T. Bort. Bort. Um, is Bort like... um? Uh, that letter stand for something or is this just off the top of her head she said bort
1: nope uh i think that it's because we were watching the simpsons we watched the simpsons a lot and there was an alternate reality bart named bort and so she named my character bort so i was okay, like okay i might
0: i might have known that but you know i might be the only person in the world alive that has never seen 5 seconds of the simpsons
1: oh god i love the simpsons i don't Everyone know why says that. but
0: Everyone it's because says
1: that. futurama that's why that's okay. why I love The Simpsons.
0: I haven't seen that either.
1: <laughs> you should watch Futurama. It's worth the watch. It's the same creators of The Simpsons, but a better, different storyline.
0: Yeah, it's almost like a like a thing now for me. Like, I haven't, <laughs> so I don't want to, like, dip in and see that. any of it and break that streak. <laughs> I'm I'm starting to wonder if... I asked Stacey once, you think there's, like, a Guinness World Record for never having seen The Simpsons, and I can own that? Yeah, I might have to look into that.
1: <laughs> oh, God. So, we've got Bort. And I decided that I was going to pursue mostly female companions. So I did. And the first interaction that I had with a female in the game was just... It was a uh, non-companion, like, CPU, like, AI, basically. And I went up and started talking to her because I had to find out information from her. And I had upped my charisma statistic, which is like, you're talking. (laughs) Yeah, I did. And so... I got it higher, and it gave me the option to flirt with said singer in this bar, and I was like, cool, got it. So I went ahead and I flirted, and she flirted back, and then we went to the next thing, and back and forth, until it said, hey, do you want to go back to my place? And then we went back to this, like, hotel in the middle of this fallout shelter, and they, like, slept together. Of course, they don't show you anything, but you wake up, like, the next morning, and you woke up from the lover's embrace. Uh Aha. So then I decided I'm going to keep a count on how many different AI females I can get to sleep with me in the Fallout 4 universe. So I did. And I got to I got to the next part, got my companion that was a female, ended up getting her to be my girlfriend. Of course. Um, then, we, th- so then we slept together, and that was, you know, number two. Then I found a weird Fallout shelter that had a female robot in it that I slept with. <laughs> so there's three. Um, And she was, like, not, like, a normal, like, looks like a human robot. She was, like, a cylinder with a brain. It was weird.
0: (laughs) You found a way to make it work. You found a way to make it work. I
1: did. I made it work. Then I found this other girl that was lost, and I convinced her to come back to my settlement and slept with her. (laughs) And then I found a woman that owned a um, bartering shop, and she was offering me all these goods, and, like, I bought all this stuff and then i flirted with her got her to sleep with me at her actual workplace which was great and then i got another female companion convinced her to be in a relationship with me slept with her dropped her back off at the settlement found another companion like i i got to like i think i got to eight different females in this game that i got to sleep with me and give me the perk of lovers embrace
0: and it was great okay okay in my crazy conspiracy theory world, I feel like that this game now you have just trained for like to be a sexy female like <laughs> Russian assassin spy or something, this is like some they've infiltrated this, like the deep state yep. is programming and, and find, you're gonna get snatched up out of Mississippi <laughs> and taken off to some sort of training camp, maybe like, I don't know, I didn't see Red Sparrow, but this sounds like what happened in Red Sparrow
1: <laughs> oh god it's gonna be like the Debs, what do you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's deb. definitely going to be, deb. like, Debs. So I'm going to find, a like, a, what was her name, Lucy Diamond?
0: Yes, yeah. I'm going to
1: find one of her and just, we'll
0: be good. You yeah, know? Like, so- a, like a totally uh, innocent-looking test turns out to be a government test. <laughs> exactly. That's what, this, that's what this game is.
1: <laughs> but it was a really, like, fun challenge of, like, how many females I could get to do that. And on top of that, I, because I got my charisma so high, um, I got... I know it sounds funny, but it's a thing. You have to build your charisma, your strength, your intelligence, your luck, your agility to do anything in this game.
0: That sounds like a pin I need to make. One that just says, I got my charisma so high.
1: That would be so good. Especially like, I know that there are other gamers like me out there that play Fallout and stuff. And you have to have high charisma to do anything. Like you really did. That's also
0: a good phrase. You gotta have high <laughs> charisma to do anything.
1: So I, I perfect. leveled up, and it gave me the ability to talk to other computers in the game, and they would tell me special secrets. I got like three different guys that showed up, and I would like talk to, and they came out to me. It was great. Like I didn't push them to tell me they were gay; they just did, and I was like, "This is awesome!" Because I've never played a game where there are so many queer computers. It was
0: great. Yeah, I mean this is like the perfect game for you because you're you're living in like the perfect little queer universe where you're just around bedding all these random ladies. <laughs> you you found some gay dudes to hang out with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it'd be perfect. Uh if this was like a, a Tron or something where you could get sucked into this world <laughs> and live do a virtual reality version of it i
1: mean i know how to take care of all the monsters and kill them i know what i'm doing there it takes me like no seconds to do like a quest it's just a lot of fun to see how many people you can talk to and convince to
0: sleep with you no seconds to get the companions
1: no it doesn't (laughs) you're good you're good that's because of that charisma being so high you gotta get that high charisma and you can just get all the companions
0: it's real easy you know, if I didn't watch as much TV and movies as I do, I would probably have time to game and maybe get into this stuff and then it would be it would be crazy, but I do spend too much time with the TV, I think. Um, which is going to I'm going to swing this around to Go for it. something I want to talk about for a couple minutes is um the Golden Globe Awards that just happened 2 nights ago. And I don't believe that you watched the Golden Globes. I watch it every year because it's 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 the fun award show. You know, mm-hmm. the Oscars are they take themselves so seriously and and it's so edited and I feel like the Golden Globes has always been the party show where people show up because they serve the alcohol and, and, and they sit at the round tables and everybody, <laughs> you know, is with their friends and, and stuff and then they get hosts that are generally um, less polished I guess and, and usually it's like they'll get a Ricky Gervais who, not that he isn't polished but he's not uh, PC I guess is what I'm True. saying. True. Yeah. And so this year I was curious because they had uh, Andy Sandberg I don't really like. I like him in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but I, mm-hmm. I never really liked a lot of other stuff. But they had the lovely Sandra O. Oh. Yeah. You watched Killing Eve, correct? Oh, I totally watched Killing Eve, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was really torn this year. There were so many um, shows that were nominated and um, performers who are either queer or in queer content that I loved up against shows that didn't really even have any content that I love so much so I was torn I was like do I want these shows like for instance The Americans was up for best series and Mm -hmm. Carrie Russell who I love um, was up for best actress but then she was up against Sandra Oh and Mm -hmm. I was like I love Sandra Oh as well and I know awards really don't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. All the performances are great and everyone's supposedly happy to be nominated or whatever. But, <laughs> you know, I really wanted Carrie Russell to get some recognition for the Americans because I was on, you know, a journey with this show. And I love it. It's one of my favorites. I'd mm-hmm. probably put it in my top five all time. And then, But then there's the show that I love, Killing Eve, that I try to tell everyone about. But because it was on BBC America, so many people didn't get to see it and get to Mm -hmm. know what we know, which is how great it was (laughs) and how inventive it was. It's a show um, about a a government agent who becomes obsessed and is sort of in a cat-and-mouse hunt for a very suave female assassin, maybe psychopath.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's basically the, uh, the normal telling that you get from boy meets girl... Boy gets obsessed with girl. Boy tries to kill girl. But we got it with girl gets girl. Girl gets obsessed with girl. Girl tried to kill girl.
0: Yes. And it's... Sandra Oh is just so endearing. And, and, you know, I loved her on... I think you're a Grey's Anatomy fan, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, how great was it? Like, the first thing she does after all those years on Grey's Anatomy, she comes right around and gets such recognition for this and then wins the Golden Globe. Spoiler alert, she wins. Um, So... (laughs) I thought that was great, so I came around to being happy that she won, um, but there was just a lot of, like, stuff this year where I was, like, so many good performances, so many good shows, so we have a wealth of good stuff, but I had my personal favorites that I was rooting for. I was happy that um Starsborn did not win anything except song.
1: I was, too. I was relieved. I really expected for people to just, like, give it to them because it got so many great, like, things said about it. And I was—I went and read all the different, like, winners and stuff, and I was happily surprised to see that it was not as cut and dry as I thought it was going to be.
0: Right. I, I think that um, Hollywood Forum Press, which gives out those Golden Globe Awards, tend to get uh, really excited when big-name celebrities, like singers, come in. You know, they've always loved Madonna and things. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And they gave Gaga the um, Golden Globe for American Horror Story. True. Which... Yeah. Boy, I do not believe that she performed very well in that at all. I don't think that I she think was I think she very was good. herself. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what you played. Yeah. And she I didn't think she was that great in Stars Born, but I really don't think she was given much to work with either. I've got to, I'm have got not going to get on a rant about it because all my friends are really tired of hearing me rant about a Stars Born. But I... <laughs> you know, that was a movie that, boy, oh, boy, you you heard all of the trailers come out and all the little taglines, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, the greatest musical film ever. blah, and blah, you know, like... All this build-up to it. All the mm-hmm. five-star reviews, you know, flashed across the TV screen or wherever you're watching. And then once it actually came out, it was just like dead air. You heard it nothing. was. Yeah, it just, it, like, it fell out of existence. And so I was like, well, I'm going to look up some reviews of this, like, on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes and things. And it really was polarizing. It was like 50% of them are like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And then the other 50% were like, oh, it's so emotional. I mean, being emotional doesn't make it a great movie, you know. I completely agree with that. <laughs> yeah, my, my problem isn't necessarily with Lady Gaga or with Bradley Cooper, who I hate. Um, it's <laughs> it's that it, I like to see a well-made film. And I granted, I did go into it with some bias for the 1976 Streisand-Christopherson version. Mm-hmm. Because it has its flaws too, but as far as like, one of my big things is just if I fall in love with the characters and their their deep portrayals of a character, you're you're gonna win with me. And this mm-hmm. one didn't have any of that stuff. So anyway, round two that they won for the song, which also I didn't even know what song that was. Shallow, I'm not gonna it's... lie. Did you see Stars Born? I have. I yeah. couldn't remember which one it was. <laughs> it's that first one that uh when Allie, Gaga's character um quits her job and and goes to see Jackson play. Oh, it's, it's the, like the main song. Yeah. It's the one where she had the little bit of a of a verse and a chorus in that parking lot and then he just Took it upon himself to go finish her damn song yeah. for her, yeah. Because he he as the man has to be the savior of this little lost girl that's too scared to perform, which is a whole other area of Star is Born that we, you know, I let's just
1: we'll with. make another podcast just for rants. So why don't we do that? I think that would for help a rant. lot.
0: Yeah, it, w- it would help me <laughs> a lot. Yeah, Cause I, it would help Stacy a lot because I quit ranting to her about it. <laughs> 2019 season one of a new podcast: all the rants. <laughs> but it yeah it was that main song and i think that song is like 95% repeating the chorus it and is. 5% one verse and <laughs> now i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie it's catchy if you if i hear it on the radio i'll catch myself humming it later but i mean that's just an earworm kind of thing you know you yeah. can't you can't help that it's it's not a great song um what else happened on there that was okay bohemian rhapsody did you see it i didn't and i ref- I kind of didn't
1: want to because of all the things I'd heard from different people, and also just I read so many reviews about the fact that they straightwashed it
0: they straightwashed the fuck out of it,
1: and everybody was like, No, they just didn't mention it, and I'm like, no, if they didn't mention it, they really
0: straightwashed it then well, they did that thing where they they tabloided it a little bit, they alluded to Freddie's sexuality, but they in I mean, what I know of Freddie, and you may know more, mm-hmm. I believe he was, like, bisexual. Correct. He's not bisexual. I mean, it's, he has a, a, a girlfriend in the beginning, and then that mm-hmm. falls apart through the movie. And then he becomes involved with this whole gay scene. I feel like they took, you know, the couple of pictures of Freddie with the hat and the leather stuff and, and just formulated yeah. their idea of what his sex life was. It, it is really, like, under the rug, straight-washed, that even isn't like my biggest thing with it. Again, it's just not a well-made movie. It's like an amateur, low-budget indie where someone didn't have the time to properly cut and edit, and so, and it's too big of a story to pack into like an hour and a half or whatever.
1: Well, that's what I, I heard a lot of things about because I was a huge fan of the Runaways movie. Yes.
0: Loved it. It was Loved so, it
1: too. like I thought it was really good. So I was coming into this thinking, you know, this is should be something kind of like that. And I actually read a review that said, if you were a fan of the Joan Jett movie, The Runaways, then you will not like the Freddie Mercury, Bohemian Rhapsody. And I was like, I wonder why. And then I read so many things and I was like, wow, this makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Because all the places that we loved, like The Runaways for, they took out of Bohemian Rhapsody Mm -hmm. and all that confrontation and the deepness and the like the struggle with the characters and it. It just, like, yes, Um, what is his name? Rami Malek, is that how you say his name? Yep. He does have the look. He did have kind of the right look. Kind of. Kind of. But not exactly.
0: No, he has no charisma.
1: Exactly. But also, I compared it to thinking with Kristen Stewart as Joan Jett. She She embodied that and had the charisma of it. Her charisma was high,
0: and so she did well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm a fan of a biopic I, yeah. I like a well-made by bio- like Cold Miner's Daughter is my favorite movie mm-hmm. and it's um you forget and, and I'm the biggest Loretta Lynn fan in the world you forget <laughs> that you're watching someone play Loretta Lynn I don't know it's just like Sissy Spacek just embodies her and he does Remy Malek does not do that in Bohemian Rhapsody, and that's one of the problems. He's got the moves, you know. It's like he's studied the film, he's watched the moves, the mic moves, the the got the walk down, the little bit of a stomp, you know, and swagger mm-hmm. that Freddie. Had. But that's the reason that Freddie Mercury is like one of the greatest leading men because he has the it factor, and it's really hard to replicate that I agree. Um, and get that across. And then to pair that in also with the way they just compacted this really big story that needed to be told it's like they didn't know what movie they wanted to tell do they (laughs) want to tell the story of freddie mercury's ascension up through with queen with the band up to live aid or do they want to tell the freddie mercury person's story and they didn't tell either one of those things to any full satisfaction for me so when we were watching it i was you know and i have a lot of queer friends who were like just loved it went to see it three times i do too (laughs) And then people who love Queen who were like, "Oh my God, it was so great and i 'm like, "Are you carrying in your love for Queen to this, and so you want to like it, And why do my queer friends not have a problem with the straight washing mm-hmm. i don 't understand, but Stacey and I watched it, and about fifteen to twenty minutes and she was like, "This is horrible and she doesn't <laughs> she 's not looking at all the aspects of it that I am like yeah. she wasn't we weren 't even to the to the straight washing point portion of this she was like this is just isn't made well. What did we, who made this? Like what's going on? Yeah. So then we come around to another problematic issue. is I believe Brian Singer was the director mm-hmm. and at some point I I'm not super educated on this, but at some point was fired. That's correct. Yeah.
1: I did know about that because I saw yes. it and I was like, "Wow. Wow, that went bad real quick."
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it won and so that that put a little bit of a controversy with the Globes um because they're dramatic For the year's best picture was Green Book, which I just watched the other night. I haven't seen it yet. It was really good, but it's good in that way that like films like The Help were good. Uh, Did you see that? You know what I mean? Like it's it tells a very specific period of time. um, Well, the performances were great, but it just didn't knock my socks off at Mm -hmm. all. And then you know it was three quarters of the way, maybe. 90% of the way through the movie before we discover that for sure that the the lead character musician is is a queer person or and it's that
1: that would have misled me because I went and read the synopsis of it and tried to figure out what it was about and Mm -hmm. the very first sentences a queer artist goes to the south during the Jim Crow era. And, and so, but that's that was what it led with is that there was someone queer in it, and so I would have been sitting in the movie being like, "Where's where's the gay? Where's where's that?"
0: <laughs> right, and and you, I mean, you get that because they the way that uh, Mahershala Ali, who I do love, portrays mm-hmm. the character, um, you get the effeminate, and and in my mind, my educated mind on this uh, of the queer portrayals and how they generally go. I knew kind of early on like okay he's probably going to be a gay man and that's Mm going to be why he's got these particular quirks and things that they're pointing out to (laughs) us they kind of want us to know that but they don't give us a confirmation of it until in the movie we don't get the confirmation until the the driver character played by Viggo Mortensen and the Mahershal Mahershala Ali character have already gelled like the way they poked and pricked prickled each other has already gone away and they've gelled so at that point there's not going to be a problem for it so I don't I don't know what they were trying to portray mm-hmm. other than telling you know a true story about two people it was enjoyable enough I would recommend mm-hmm. it to people um but it's it's gotten criticism for being that white savior type movie again uh, yeah I hate that stuff but it, you know I do notice it I was like oh well yeah this is like reminding me of The Help you know whenever yeah. we were I mean that was Ms. a good I love Emma Stone. Like, it was a good movie, but like. Emma Stone drives me crazy. Really? I have a love hate -hate relationship with her. Some things I really dig her in, and then sometimes I'm just like, mm, I
1: think that I love her because when I was younger, I really liked Amanda Bynes in uh, She's the Man. Yeah. And Emma Stone was just like the more adult version of that. So, like, I grew up liking her more. Mm -hmm. So, I think that that's why I liked her. But to, to talk about Emma Stone for a second, what about the favorite?
0: I just watched it a few times. ago. I haven't seen it yet, and I didn't Man. know if it was good. It's so good. Okay. I'm going to be completely transparent and honest here, is that there's no way this movie is coming to my town. I don't care if it wins an yeah, Oscar. Yeah, it's not going to come here either. It's not coming so. to my town. It's not even playing in Nashville. I didn't see it in Louisville. I don't see it scheduled to come to either of those places, so I hit the trigger and I downloaded it. You know, I'm sorry. I hate it. I will go see it if it's in a the theater, and I will purchase it when it's available for purchase. But I wanted to see it bad. So I downloaded it and watched it. It wasn't a great copy. I'm looking forward to seeing it in all of its bright glory when I actually can purchase it. Yeah. it It is one of the coolest things I've seen in a long time. I
1: really want to see it.
0: Yes, you <sighs> will love it. Olivia Coleman, who plays Queen Anne.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: God damn, I hope she, she won the Golden Globe. I hope she wins the Oscar. She should. She's, she's so good. Rachel Weisz... I she's mean, good in anything. Good in anything. I'm I'm glad she's having this... Like, she kind of went away for a little while, it mm-hmm. seems like. I mean, you know, of course, The Mummy. Mummy Returns.
1: Mm-hmm. She was in
0: some independent
1: horror movies in between.
0: Right. So she did stay in things. She, yeah, she was... You know, she's by far a working actress, yes. But, like, not in the, like, pop culture conscience act like she was then. And then coming back with Disobedience, which I also loved. Yeah. Um. And then in this and it's a period piece so i love it it's queer so i love it <laughs> it's got three strong lead actresses in it i love it um it's so offbeat off kilter it's like you know and, and you don't you won't know this but like in the late 80s early 90s people were taking chances again with movies mm-hmm. and i feel like this director took some chances with what could have been a very uh, stoic story it could have been a sense and sensibility it could have been a mm-hmm. an emma kind of story only with the queen and some and the two women vying to be the favorite which is where mm-hmm. what the name comes from um i was uh i just loved it i can't say enough good things about it i loved olivia coleman in her acceptance speech at the globes um when she was doing her thank yous referred to emma stone and rachel vice as my bitches which that's was that's <laughs> beautiful <laughs> and they both were, like, cheering, and, you know, like, there's been many, many um, interviews where they've talked about, like, all their making out scenes and stuff, and, and are just like, well, who wouldn't want to? I'm the luckiest. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm the luckiest actress alive, you know, with both these women in this movie. That's I great. liked Emma Stone in it. Emma Stone was good in this one. I also <laughs> really, really liked her playing Billie Jean King. That was a good movie mm-hmm. that... Uh, that I don't know if it got it to do or not. And I thought maybe it would when it came on cable, but I still don't know if it has or not. Steve Carell was great in that.
1: I haven't gotten to see it yet because it hasn't, I haven't been able to find it. Like it's, there are a lot of movies that I want to watch that I can't find. And I don't know why they're inaccessible.
0: When that one makes its way onto Netflix or wherever it might happen to go to, um, I definitely want you to watch that one because yeah. I do like it. So maybe I only really like Emma Stone when she's playing queer.
1: Maybe you only like her when she's queer and serious. And not so much yeah. the funny, funny character. Because yeah, she maybe. plays a lot of the goofy, like, ooh, look at me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Easy A like stereotyped her so hard.
0: Yep. That's a prime example. But you know, then I liked her in um Superbad. But she wasn't like she was. But more she wasn't serious. really
1: in Superbad as much no. as she was the other movies. So and that was like her start into the big movies too. Yeah. So like I she was very young then so I can understand liking that one like that part of her better because like the Emma Stone that we get now like the serious one is great but the funny funny is overplayed she's done it too many times So I get that
0: Yeah because she almost takes on like a uh, facial expressions and tics mm-hmm. in those movies and I'm just like oh, okay this is Emma Stone I'm not seeing the person that she's portraying here, I can't mm-hmm. forget that it's her. There's some people that I'll never forget that it's them when I'm watching them, like Denzel Washington. He's always Denzel Washington. That's I don't true. Care what he's playing.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of movies that I do that with. Like when I was watching that movie, A uh, Crimson Peak, that had Tom Hiddleston in it and um, the girl that played Alice from Alice in Wonderland. Still don't know her name. I just called her Alice the whole movie. <laughs> I just kept yelling at her, Alice, stop, and Tom, stop. Like I yeah. because. For some reason, I can't get into like their characters. For some reason, we're not deep enough for me to learn their names.
0: Yeah, that's like I categorize that movie as like one of the creepy art gothic movies, yep. and I don't get so much into the modern version of that. If there were older ones, I would, but I don't know. There's just something about all the visual trickery that I think they're relying on, and so then you don't get those characters. Yeah, in those kind of movies.
1: Well, I liked um, it just because it came out around the same time as The Boy, and I loved The Boy because I love Lauren Cohen oh, so absolutely. much. I love mm-hmm. her. And so, like, that movie was really good, so then I saw that Crimson Peak was coming out, so I thought that, and it was kind of the same type of thing, but not exactly, and so mm-hmm. it was a little bit disappointing, but it's still a movie that I I don't, like, hate that I watched it. It's just not something I would choose to sit down and watch again. mm mm-hmm.
0: Another period piece film that I believe we now have both seen mm-hmm. that I also would count on my favorite things from the year was Colette with Kira yeah. Knightley. So you watched that one too, right?
1: Yeah, I just watched it a couple nights ago and I loved it. For some reason, I didn't put to get like two and two together that Colette was like the author of Colette because I didn't see in the commercials for it. All I knew is Keira Knightley in corsets. That's all I knew. <laughs> Because you know that's my favorite thing. We've talked about her
0: before, but yeah, that's all. That's all you got to see. If you see <laughs> exactly. that, you're like, I'm there for this.
1: But yeah. I didn't know that it was the author. And because I just took a um, women's uh, literature class, I knew the author Colette, and mm-hmm. so. But I never knew the story. I knew that there was something queer and ambiguous about her, but I didn't know everything. So getting to watch this movie really helped me kind of fill in the blanks of what I had missed, and mm-hmm. also just. I got my hate back for certain types of men. It was really good for me.
0: That Her husband, uh-huh. her suitor who then becomes her husband in that, is so infuriating. Mm-hmm. He's played by Dominic West. And I don't believe that Dominic West has ever played a decent human being in his entire career. He hasn't, but the facial hair is beautiful. <laughs> he uh, He was in The Wire and... just a a completely flawed human being and then the other one that really well there's two that really stand out but the sandra bullock rehab movie 28 days Mm -hmm. he plays her shitty boyfriend who brings champagne to rehab
1: oh that's right i didn't even think about that oh god
0: he's just a bad person and then he's the co-lead on the showtime show which is an obsession for me called the affair have you ever seen I've movie? heard
1: about that, and I think I've watched like one or two episodes, but I never <sighs> got too deep into it because Man. I I didn't have Showtime for a long time, so
0: right. yeah. I
1: couldn't watch those shows.
0: Yeah, it, that's a serious, like, mind fuck show of horrible people, and he's <laughs> the head horrible person. And that's when I, like, really, like, I've thought about this more than once. Like, has he ever played anyone good? No, if you need a shitty shit heel fucker in your show. <laughs> They're like, Dominic West, get him on the phone. We need him over here.
1: <laughs> and that is the that is the perfect typecasting for him, though. That's mm-hmm. like, there's so many people like that, and they know. They know what they're doing when they cast him in that role. Yeah. And I wanted to like him, though. Like, in Colette, I wanted to like him. Because at first, she really liked him, and he was good yeah. to her for, like, a minute. Yeah. And then I immediately was like, nah, he's just a dick man. Like, he's just, he's,
0: nah, let him go. Yeah, yeah. So in Colette, I don't want to, like, spoil it for anyone that hasn't seen it, but Keira Knightley does play uh, the author. Um, She didn't plan on being an author. Her husband was a well-known writer slash publisher named Willie in um, France. And he seemed to be a horrible businessman because he was always broke. And he would hire people to write things and publish them under his name. And But he also wanted to be in all the social circles. He liked to party and uh, kind of be a cad with the women. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up marrying Colette. And she instantly right away like picked up on that, that those socialite women were flirting with her in uh-huh. the show. Like, she was quickly. smart about it. <laughs> yes.
1: I think she'd been thinking about that out there in her country house for a long time. <laughs> she was like, I marry this man. I can find all these ladies. All right, let's do this.
0: He will lead me to the uh, women in Paris. Exactly. (laughs) So I'm getting out of this shithole and going there. So what happens is they end up one particular woman. They both kind of fancy. But the the other lady really only fancies Colette. And I I loved that that kind of stuck in his craw a little bit. Mm -hmm. But when it did, he had to ruin it because then he had to go over and like... He pushed her to go have the relationship with her at first. Yep. Almost like that, you know, the husband who's like, yeah, yeah, I want to see my wife kiss another woman kind of thing. But then also, he just, (sighs) his appetites, he could not help himself. He had to go horn in on it too and screw all that stuff up. But the relationship that I liked the best in the. Oh, we're also forgetting that he also, because he's financially ruined, um, steals Colette's writings and puts his name on them. Oh, yeah. That's the big thing that's the big storyline. And he becomes the toast of the town for these kind of uh, tawdry little tales of schoolgirl and and teachers um, that his wife is writing. And later in the movie there, there becomes a, she becomes involved in a relationship with a what I would consider, if it was in today's times, like a non-binary queer character. Is that what you would say? That's what I was calling that character the
1: entire time with Tiff. Because T- Tiffany was not watching it, and I kept, you know, taking the headphones off and be like, This shit just happened! Look at all these gay things happening! Look! And I would turn the screen around to her and be like, Look at this! But no, I, I would definitely say that that was a non-binary person that they were portraying and just didn't know how those terms would work in that time frame.
0: In that Yes, in that time period. And that seems to be the most physically and intellectually satisfying relationship that Colette has in the movie. Mm-hmm. They seem to be very much equals. They understand each other. She doesn't mind that she dresses, you know, in suits, and mm-hmm. that she is is, you know, fairly masculine. Mm-hmm. It's just not even a. It's not even like a a plot point. Like it's not even mentioned. It just happens, and they're together now. The husband takes like to take jabs at it and is very confused by it and pissed off by it. Um, so I don't want to ruin the movie for anyone else, but it's a pretty cool characterization of a non-binary in my, I hope that's the way they intended it because it's the way I took it, the way you took it, character. Yeah. Um, which leads me around to swirl this around a little bit to the fact that non-binary is a thing that, I recently had a conversation on another podcast with a fellow who wanted to be educated about, he's like I think Mm -hmm. I know what this means and I was like well I'm not an expert on it by any means but I'll tell you what I think and uh because I said I think it's it's like the new thing and not I don't mean that in a bad way I think it's a new thing because it's been something that I think people throughout the ages just never had a name for Mm -hmm. didn't have a word for it you know we all knew somebody in school who maybe they were a little bit tomboyish but yet they weren't Thought the school lesbian or exactly. bisexual or queer, but no one, you know, thought that, but they were just, you know, and know, I, I know I'm going to probably offend somebody when I say this and I don't really mean to, but it's hard to explain. Like they were the, the person that was noticed, you know, in school yeah. as being, well, as a kid. Yeah. That's, that's something that happened dif- as being different or people could quite put their finger on it. And, and the things that we know that when people don't know what something is, sometimes they make fun of it. Of it. <laughs> yeah. Make fun of it. And that's because they're uneducated and mm-hmm. they're often afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, But I was saying, you know, that's, it's the thing that right now I'm, I like that it's the thing because I know a lot of people are finally able to go, oh, this is what I and who I am. I finally have a slot and not that people need to fit into slots, but knowing who and what you are is a very freeing thing. Anytime somebody can feel comfortable in their own skin and then actually have a way to explain it to people and so then it will become more widespread so that people do become educated on it and more comfortable with it. Just like when I was a kid and, and, you know, the gay rights movement and things were really kicking in, people were becoming more open and out because more people were identifying with it. And then that starts the role of people who aren't gay or, or I like to use gay adjacent, people coming coming. <laughs> you know, to terms with it, then everybody starts to feel more comfortable and it becomes less of an issue. It becomes a non issue. I like that portrayal and I like the way that things are going for, you know, the non binary identity right now. I like the
1: way that people are finally having the chance to feel educated on themselves. And to really be able to explore what it is that they've been feeling for all this time. And they finally have words that match up to their feelings. Nice. And I think that you're completely right about, like, within this movie, they, they do use the character in a way that does not say that they are non-binary, but it is insinuated. But it is also insinuated that they could be just a trans man. Because mm-hmm. remember the scene where Willie says, she, like, loudly, she, and yeah. Colette corrects, he,
0: Yes, I remember that now, yes.
1: And so there's there's that too, but I think that it's important that people are able to be educated nowadays and understand what that means and what their own feelings mean. And I think that there are so many resources out there for actually just figuring out what it means. I have a book that I just got that's um by Ash Hardell and, mm-hmm. uh, know who you Ash is, know, yeah. the ABCs of LGBTs. Yeah. It's so good. And I've, for many different reasons, I've thought about, like, when my mom, like, makes comments or says she doesn't get what this is, I'll be like, all right, here you go, here's a definition. Because you can actually physically hand it to them. And, I mean, I'd already read it, but it's it's a good book to have, and it can help educate other people that just don't get it.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, being part of the community, I feel like I should have known and been more educated mm-hmm. earlier than I was. But YouTube's been a big... Um, help with that there's a um another youtuber that i like to follow ty turner oh yeah yeah Yeah. um i like the different um ways that he will have a specific episode about just nothing just what's going on in his life at the time Mm -hmm. and how he deals with being a trans man through his His daily existence. Mm -hmm. It's very educating. It's entertaining. And I think that people, if they wandered into that channel, won't be like, oh, I'm watching an educational, you know, FTM trans video. Mm -hmm. Like, they're just getting an entertaining YouTube show. And Ash is kind of the same way. Ash
1: is also the same way. And I I watch a lot of um, Stevie Bobby, uh, Mm -hmm. Sassy Bob. I love Sassy Bob so much. Um, I've talked to her a couple times, and she's great. Yeah, she...
0: Kind of identifies herself as a, uh, as like a sex educator as well. Yes. Yes. Which, good Lord, we need it, you know? Exactly. YouTube tries its damnedest to suppress that kind of thing. And it's like, you can find out anything in the world that you want to know about how to do anything on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Okay. I'm sure there's a YouTube video for it. Exactly. Imagine if people and young people especially go on and see the Stevie's channel just figuring out their sexuality and all the stuff you get you know it's it's not like it's not dirty it's not graphic (laughs) any of that stuff it's like what you would get in a sex education sex education class that you don't have in schools anymore
1: but it's a lot like funnier and it's a lot easier to access and it's a lot more of like here you feel awkward about this and that's okay here's what i'm gonna say and here's some jokes to go with it and now she's kind of jumping into not just like educating about sex but educating about identities and she's been doing a lot of different videos about polyamory because she recently came out as being polyamorous
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that was i used to follow her and um her ex-girlfriend ally hills a lot mm-hmm. i loved them i met them in new orleans it was great mm-hmm. like they're wonderful people but they broke up because they had issues and the issue was stevie didn't know how to come to terms with being polyamorous or what that meant so when mm-hmm. she started learning growing more Better friends with Gabby Dunn, you know. Yeah, they they all have communicated about it, and Danielle is uh, her friend. And there's a lot of people that she's brought into this world that she now does these videos to be like, "All right, I didn't know this, so let me tell you this, so you can like figure it out." And I Mm -hmm. very much enjoy watching videos like hers and like Ash and like all of these people that are taking that moment to be like. I struggled with this experience because I had no one to tell me these things. Let me tell you these things before you struggle like I did. And that's great right. to have.
0: Right. Yeah, I uh, I appreciate Gabby's um, work with Allison Raskin. Oh, God, great. I love them so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the JBU yep, podcast. Yep, JBU's the best. I could just put those on and just, I, even though I listened to them before, I was put them on and let them run because I, I like their banter, their uh, play back and forth. And then, like, they'll just stop midstream and get really serious on you, and mm-hmm. like, drop some knowledge and some like stuff that really mm-hmm. makes you think. So, um, so what do we've listed here on on uh, YouTube? Let's let's recap it. So, if anybody wants to go check these out, I'm going to recommend Ty Turner, Gabby Dunn, mm-hmm. uh,
1: Stevie Bobby, Ash Hardell, um, yes. Miles McKenna is a good one to look up to.
0: Okay, I don't know that one.
1: Miles McKenna is uh used to be. Miles Chronicles, Amanda's Chronicles, uh now a trans man, uh non binary person. And they are a young person. They actually did a video on uh puns about the Carmilla names. <laughs> you can find them through that and it's like their older stuff, but their new videos are very educational about like what it's like to be a, a transitioned male. Do you have more?
0: we'll stick to those I don't want to overload people with them and um, once you if you go and look into any one of those people you're going to have hours and hours of already pre-made content Mm -hmm. ready for you Uh, they make great work companions they make great you know put it on while you're cleaning the house and just let it play through your you know bluetooth or whatever and and, uh, or through your phone and listen to that I haven't, we haven't really talked too much about regular television shows this episode, but you dropped one on me that I have not watched. I've seen it pop up on <laughs> Netflix. Um, I finished there it. There wasn't anything that drew me to it other than that I did notice Shay Mitchell from Pretty Little Liars <laughs> and Penn Badgley from Yes Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl uh, Boy. Right. Gossip Girl Boy. <laughs> <laughs> but I did not dive into it yet. I told you I was going to try to before this episode, but I didn't quite make it into that because of work stuff's. But it's uh there's nothing queer going on in that so far, right? Uh that's not entirely true.
1: Um I oh, finished oh. it. I okay. finished it last night. Um I I will say first and foremost, I jumped in because of Shay Mitchell because I love Shay Mitchell so much, and there is something so sapphic about that woman. I don't mm-hmm. know like there's this power that she has that you're like, make it queer. Like that's just that's <laughs> what it is. And she did. There is oh. there there is some surprise queer things that Shay is involved in in that show. And that's where I will leave it, because there is... It, you don't... The first couple episodes, you're like, yeah. The boy... It's what I said earlier. Boy meets girl. Boy becomes obsessed with girl. Boy then ultimately has to kill for girl. So, he really wants to date the main character he sees her at a bookstore that he works at and peach is who shay mitchell plays and peach is the best friend of the main character and she's like this rich like know-it-all girl that's been best friends with the other like the main character since forever and she Mm -hmm. takes care of her but by, like, episode three, I was like, I don't know if I'm really into this. It's, like, super straight. There's just a lot of, like, straight sex happening all over my TV. It's a little bit weird. I'm not into this. And then, like, by the end of episode three, Shay Mitchell, like, bitches out, pin. Mm-hmm. And it's so good. Like, it stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, I have to see why she's so angry. Like, I have to figure this out. And it gets really good after episode three and picks up really fast to where you just, once I got to three, I watched all the way through to the end, sit up till like five in the morning last night to finish it, and then got up like early this morning to do paperwork.
0: Okay, I've got a little lull going on in my TV shows while things are on the holiday hiatus, haven't come back yet, Mm -hmm. new stuff hasn't started. Um, I'm going to... Power into that one. You should. And check it out now that you told me that. I mean, not that I don't watch shows where there's no gay stuff in them. I watch more or equal to amount of shows where there's no gay stuff in it. But um, I'm going to recommend Dairy Girls. I've seen some of that. It's good. I started watching it while I was working on an album cover design that I'm doing and just had it on my big TV across from me. And due to the accents and the quick pace of it, I was Mm -hmm. getting lost because (laughs) Boy, oh boy! It was hard to follow and keep up with what's going on. So I said I'm gonna make this my nighttime on the phone before I go to bed show, so that I'm paying yeah. perfect attention to it. And ten minutes in, I was like, "Fuck! I love this show." <laughs> and then Dana Pickley told me that they on, uh, told us on Twitter that there was like gay stuff coming yeah. up. So I was like, "Oh, well, yeah. I know I'm in for this one now because there's it's got this one character in it who's the there's always a girl in high school that is the girl with a little bit of foul mouth." She's super cute, but in like a, her own style kind of way, a little bit punk, but not like an off-putting shitty way. Like she's funny, She's gets into trouble, Um, she's sassy. At the same time, you're like, I'm super attracted to this character. And yeah. there's one of those, Michelle, in this show. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, all these other people are hilarious. I love the like British, like shows in Britain, Scotland, all, that area, Great Britain, The parents are always hilarious to me too. That's true. And this one has definitely got like the grandfather who's just you know like a crotchety old bastard, and then the son and and the mother, um, along with all the kids in the in the all girls school where they have one boy that comes (laughs) (laughs) comes to the school and gets no respect whatsoever. He's that slight slight English boy. Yep. (laughs) They don't even provide him with a bathroom. He's just expected to go ahead and go with girls. Yeah. (laughs) Just go ahead. So so. I'm going to say Dairy Girls, um, I'd like you to get into that one more. And I'm okay. going to get into you. Not not you specifically. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. No, you're <laughs> but good. The, <laughs> but the TV show You on Netflix. And maybe once I've finished that one up, we'll touch back on it in another All episode. Right. Um, you got any other things for this week? Okay. What are you going to get into tonight? What are you doing? Uh, I need to clean up my room a little bit. But I'm probably going to end up just watching Netflix. You told me you've been cleaning for two days. What have you been doing? Yeah,
1: I was trying to clean for two days. Okay. Fallout got me. I got a new Xbox controller, and it's so much nicer than my other one that I can't help but play video games because it's so nice.
0: See, if I got into video games, I would be destitute and not able to afford the video games because I could do no work because I have the TV schedule, the movie schedule, then I'd have the video game schedule. Oh, God. Yeah, that's
1: too much. I don't even need to show people my room because uh, it's a disaster, but that's okay. I'm happy (laughs) at least, you know. Right.
0: (laughs) Well, I guess we should give a little bit of social media shout out. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at Butch and Sissy. You can also find me on Instagram, at Butch and Sissy. And then we have the At Gay Stuff podcast on Twitter, where we're not super active on there, but I think we're going to have to correct that. Now that both of us are tag teaming up on this um, mm-hmm. consistently, we hope to be able to uh, get some more content on there and let you guys know um, what's going on with the show. And Beck, where can they find you?
1: They can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tiny Gay Cookie. And uh, I think that that's that's my username on everything. They could also mm-hmm. find me on Twitch where I stream my gaming at TinyGayCookie. So you could see all the queer things that I do with video games.
0: Awesome. And I think we've finally got the Facebook situation sorted around. Which yes. I'm not super into Facebook for anything other than you know, like keeping up with my few friends that I have Facebook relationships with. But we do have a page on there and we will be posting some stuff. Uh, Beck put up a little poll question about uh things that people might want to hear us talk about so if you can navigate over there and uh, give us a follow on there we'll probably do a little bit of interacting about show topics there also you can go to my website butchandsissy.co and there besides having all the lgbtq plus products as far as enamel pins patches stickers t-shirts that i have on there there is a specifically a podcast page so you can go there and listen to all the podcasts that have been out so far and it's populated up there as soon as it goes up or itunes or spotify um also carry we don't care where you listen as long as you listen <laughs> and if you could uh and you'd like what you hear and you or you like us or you just want to push some buttons i don't know you could give us a uh <laughs> a review <laughs> on uh, itunes that would be great it helps keep us up in the in the listings on there so that more people can Listen to the same kind of content that you're listening to if you enjoy it. help um, helped get the um, queer podcast content out there. All right, Beck, I'm going to go and um, probably watch that TV show now that you told me. See, it's real good. She- it's going to get
1: you. Shay's doing some, <laughs> some stuff in I'll there. probably make dinner and then sit and watch more TV because that's me.
0: <laughs> right. All right, folks, we're going to um, see you probably within a week or two back with the next episode. And uh, we're going to sign off and say goodbye. All right, bye.